Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fab Four Free For All. And welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All. I am your moderator for today, Rob Leonard. And joining me, as they always do, are my friends and co-hosts, Mitch Axelrod. Hello. And Tony Treguardo. Howdy. Duty. And uh, today our topic is something I know Tony is very into. And not that Mitch isn't or I'm not, but I know Tony is oh a huge God. fan of Harry Nielsen. Who? Who? Who is, who Harry, is Nielsen? Harry Nielsen? Who is Harry Nielsen and why are people saying such lovely things about him? You have, and, to, you have to say that we're calling this episode Beatles Schmeedles. Beatles Schmeedles. Like okay. Nielsen Schmelson. Okay. Yes. So we're going to talk about Harry Nielsen and his friendship with the Beatles. Uh, all four of them. All four of them, though, we have to say, really, Paul didn't do much with him, recording-wise. Mm, well, neither did George, but we'll get into all this. Yeah, but Ringo and John were good pals with Harry, and later on, Ringo wrote a song about Harry. So, we're going to talk about Harry Nilsson. Wrote a song about it. You want to hear it? <laughs> he was part of that scene with the Beatles, as, well, especially know, the solo years. Everybody's talking about Harry. And <laughs> and to me, when I was doing some research about Harry, I, I'm reading about him, and and I'm, I'm getting the impression that he reminds me of very much a Randy Newman. Yeah. In the I sense that so. he, he wrote really grand songs like Randy, and, and he, he had a lot of respect. He, only, he didn't have many hits. He only had three top ten hits in his career, and it was over a short period of time. But to me, Harry had this magical way of guess writing. He, he just didn't write albums. He did theme albums. He did, matter of fact, he did an album of Randy Newman songs at one point. Randy on piano. Yeah, so he had a lot of different ideas as a musician. He wrote uh, plays and musicals and stuff like that. So, and I think of Randy Newman when I think of Harry, except Harry died much younger. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Harry, of Randy, his own doing, though. Randy is probably much more um, profound a musician. Yeah. A musician, musician. But Harry, you're looking at somebody that early on had an incredible range, vocal yeah, range, yeah. which is something that Randy has never been accused no, of. No, no, he's, he's, not, he's not known for his great singing voice. No. But Harry never had an ego about his career, so to speak. No, if so anything, he, so Harry was always... Too uh, laid back. Too laid back and also very low self-esteem. Someone, you know, as I was doing my research, someone on the internet eloquently put it, where Harry was Shadow Paul and Shadow John, and meaning that he was an equal mix of Paul's talent and John's damage. At and, that and, time, yeah. And, and I think that's perfectly put, because Harry, in Paul's regard, Shadow, was very tuneful, but very lightweight. He was very lightweight. For the most part, but, sure. Yeah. Um, Not lyrically. No, no, no. But he had angelic set of pipes, he did. Yes. I mean, my God, until the end with, yeah. with smoking and booze and everything and that, yeah. that killed it. But uh, like John, his bad habits just battled his gifts. And But let's look at the similarities, too. You had someone who um, Paul lost his mom early, Harry lost his father earlier, but... Harry's mother, Bet tried to raise him well. He came from a family that was tight-knit, despite yeah. his mother's shortcomings. Paul comes from a family that was tight-knit. Yeah. John, like Harry, lost his mother early. Mm. John's father was a, was a seaman. Harry's father was a seaman also. His mother regaled him of stories about his father going out there and doing amazing things and blah, blah, blah. 
And meanwhile, his father had basically abandoned them and gone off and started a new family. Mm. So again, it's that, you know, the, the way John could sing, Mother, You Had Me, But I Never Had You, yeah. Harry could have sung it, Father, exact same thing. But the, same but the thing, thing is, I don't think Harry had, uh, and I'm going to sound horrible here, but I, I don't think Harry had that primalness in him. Not at all. To do what John Not did. Not at all. No. He did. He treated everything, a lot of it was with humor. Yes. Um, Harry laughed a lot of it off. He wrote it in the songs in a couched way, in a way. He made the music so, even 1941, which is just an incredibly sad song, is done with this sort of, you know, big orchestra and the band and a sweeping kind of arrangement. It's a tragic I song. I Daddy's song, too. I mean, we'll get to yeah, that we later. Will. But I just truth. don't think he had the best direction in his career. I always thought that if he was on Warner Brothers instead of RCA, I think Warner Brothers, one of the things that they've done very well hmm. over the years, especially in the 70s, they encourage songwriters, we, like we just mentioned Randy Newman. Imagine Nielsen, Harry Nielsen, on the same label getting that encouragement. RCA was okay, but I don't think they guided him or helped him or planted him the way um, Warner Brothers did with Randy Newman. Well, Definitely. Well, I'll, but, I'll give you that. I mean, we'll... Oh, go ahead. No, but let's look, what, look what he was putting out at the time in the beginning. And, and we should, we'll get to all that, but I mean, his biggest hit was written by... A Beatle connection, Pete Ham. Right. It wasn't written by him. Um, he sang the crap out of it. He has the best version ever. But but if you think about it, some of his biggest music was he picked up a song from Badfinger, Three Dog Night, had an incredible, incredible hit with, with one. one of his, yeah. with one, you know, which was, you know, from 68. But the problem was, and again, we'll get to this, the Beatles' involvement in Harry's life mm -hmm. caused incredible change. And you can say that... For the good? Oh, definitely. I, I oh, I don't know. I think for a little bit of both. In some instances, absolutely not for the good. Well, we'll get to this, but... We should Yeah, go let's go in, chron in chronology, but it's... Because people don't yeah, know most about yeah, the chronology. Yeah, there's some change there, and, you know... But anyway, well, you give know... Give people a little Give people some of, background, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, what, why don't we start the same year the Beatles did in America? 64. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows... Harry's connection to the Beatles there, but he actually was in a, a band called the Photo 5-4. Yeah. And he did yeah. a song called All for the Beatles. Yeah, it was a, ma I mean, a made-up band, but nonetheless, yes. the way they did it in those days were like yeah. instant pop-up band to for the sake of a single. Right. And then the funny part about it, it was also alternative title was called Stand Up and Holler. You could find it on YouTube. But the weirdest thing is it was more sort of like Stones not fade away. Yeah, more a lot than, closer the Beatles, to that than the Beatles. But the Beatles. But it was packaged with a synchronized eight millimeter film of the Beatles arriving in the USA. And if you could find that single, it goes for big money. Send it to Fab Four <laughs> Free for All. Cara, anyway. Really, it came with the uh, like yeah. it came. With that, it was film? actually packaged with the Super Eight film of the Beatles. I didn't know that. Yeah, of eight millimeter film rather, not Super Eight. Um, and so I think one of the auction houses actually had all of the pieces together. It didn't sell because they were asking, like, ridiculous. Right. But even if you find the single, the last time I looked on eBay for completed auctions for that single without the movie, it went for two forty nine. Wow. Because nobody even knows it's Harry. I mean, if you no, go to a no, record, yeah. if you you go to record convention and, and you flip through and you see photo the photo 5-4, yeah. all for the Beatles, unless you're like our friend Rob Koenig and he collects all those, like, tribute single stuff, 
You'd never know it was Harry. No. no. Vocally, you know it's Harry right away. When you got, hear it. If and it has yeah. such wonderful lyrics as, here comes John Paul, George, and Ringo. One is married mm-hmm. and three are single. I mean, what yeah. a great, you know. I mean, Ringo and great single. Great line. Come on. As, you know, but co-written by John Mariscalco, who had written a bunch of uh, hit songs previous and was one of the guys that... Um, uh, worked really Harry with really really Harry with closely at that point really closely really Harry with close it was yeah. Harry anyway, close Harry close anyway then like we we talked about he records brilliantly you can't do that 1967 right now when I first heard that I always thought it was earlier but I didn't realize it was 67 and he included I think 14 or 20 however many I think it was 14 the, 14 but uh, well actually I, I think there was 15 I think uh, originally I had read online 14 but they leave out the most obvious one which is the closing line. He includes, she's a woman, I'm down, drive my car, you're going to lose that girl, good day, sunshine, hard day's night, I want to hold your hand, day tripper, paperback writer, nowhere man, do you want to know a secret, Norwegian wood yesterday in strawberry fields And rain. And rain, right. Rain is in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the background. Rain, Rain, I want to hold your hand. Yeah. Just amazing. He starts the song, and, and it's done in a slow tempo and a funky groove and the harmonies, and then... The backing vocals are every other frigging Beatles song. And it's funny, though, Crazy. because after a while, you lose fact that it's, you can't do that. Well, definitely. Because you're yeah. listening yeah. You to do. all the other Beatles. Yeah. But I will say it comes full circle in 1982 when he does Back Up Boogaloo with Ringo on Stop and Smell the Roses, and he yeah. does all the Beatles songs in there, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like, totally full. So it, was cool. it wasn't Mark Cutson the first did that with Ringo. It was, it was, it was Harry, Harry Nielsen. Nielsen, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because um, in 67, Harry had recorded Ten Little Indians, which is a really brilliant piece of writing. It was a brilliant arrangement, just really well done. Apparently, George freaked out over that, brought an acetate with him back to the UK. He picked it up when he was in Frisco hanging with the hippies, brings that back, and and around the same time, like it's all kind of muddy, Derek Taylor hears 1941 on the radio when the first album comes out, Pandemonium Shadow Show, freaks out, buys a box of them, of this new album by this American artist to give away to friends and you know lo and behold it's got you can't do that and she's leaving home on it right you know and and that's but george where it all but starts. actually he was invited to a party at george's house in california yes. where george said his music was really good yeah I then really he like goes him. over right then he goes over right. back to right that's how he took that's how he took the acetate with right. him right then he goes back to england yeah yeah well george kind of dropped it as a you should come and drop in on us sometime yeah. harry kind of thing which is like oh okay. yeah, well, no 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 i'm talking george went back to england yeah but he uh, before the, leaving it was kind of like no he hey, got no he on. got no he got yeah. invited actually yeah he was, not oh, yeah, not yeah, by yeah. george no 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 he was formally, but that was a little bit later yeah. after the guys. Yeah, yeah after after they they started. I mean, to get correct. To the Beatles liked you can't do that. You know, they, oh yeah, they, they love that. So yeah. and that was like Which the beginning of it. Which is to like though. But you you, know, you mentioned mm. Derek Taylor too. You know, Derek was part of the scene too. Oh with, yeah. With, he was connected with Harry very much. Yeah. And of course, he was PR guy for the Beatles. So yeah, it's so funny how how Harry wasn't on the label. No. Never had Derek as an official. But he was guy. a big cheerleader for him. Oh, huge. Huge. Absolutely. That's why I was so bad if he was on Warner Brothers where Derek worked at the time. It would have, you know, he would have had someone watching him closely and helping him out. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think so. Well, he was a PR guy. He wasn't, you know. Yeah, but Derek knew people. Well, he knew people. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, 67, then the Beatles put out Walrus. Right. And you have Harry coincidentally referencing the, the Walrus character in Mr. Richland's favorite song. Okay. The time has come, the walrus said, to speak of other things, like a falling star who works in a bar where yesterday is king. Yeah. Great. I mean, brilliant line. 
you know, is he talking about the fall of the Fab Four and speculating what it's going to be like 50 years from now when, you know, is John going to be a barman, you know, doing I Am the Walrus on, on a pub piano? You know, who knows? And the Beatles totally dig that, too. You the, know. the one thing is that his fellow musicians <coughs> dug everything. Oh, yeah. But the public wasn't buying it. No. No. And no they weren't not in droves, not, no. No, not yet. He was a critic, darling. He, he, he a musician. was, but that's not always good for... For the artist. Yeah. No. Unfortunately, the critics can say it's great, and if no one's buying it, then... Right. Right. And what's the difference? No, right. Right. So, Mr. Robert. In 67, nice. he gives the monkeys cuddly toy. He's still working in the bank at that time. On computers, which is kind of um, cool. And this is the you know a first major hit for him as a songwriter. Yeah. It's great. The yeah. story was Chip Douglas is walking him back to the car, and he just sees his Harry. He says, yes, yeah, you can quit the bank now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, great. Cuddly Toy was huge yeah. for the monkeys. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a single, but I mean, well, it was in different parts of the yeah, countries. Yeah. But in America, it wasn't a single, but it was certainly in the show. Yeah, it was on the show a lot. A it lot. was on the, Pi- the Pisces album, sold a lot. And again, talk about like this is Harry's whole way. Talk about like here's this happy little song that the monkeys do as a vaudeville very number. Very wi- lightweight. And, and very lightweight. And it's basically telling a, a girl, you know what, dear. Tough crap. Screw you're not you. the first. You're not the first virgin that got done over by a guy and left out in the rain. Yeah, right. I mean, whoa. Like, you're, you know, but nobody took it that way. You're not the only didn't sing it that way. train that left out in the That's, rain the day after Santa came. I mean, yeah. holy crap. But you know what? No one knew about the virgin being left out in the rain because well, yeah, Davey no, sang it like in a. And he did his little tap dance, and and same thing with Daddy's song. I mean. Daddy's song, which we'll get to later, is, yeah. is a heavy tune, dude. But, you know, Davey does a little, you know, in his tuxedo, yeah. and, and it's in the movie Head, for God's sake. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Anyway. But, it, you know. So, so, but, you know, this is the first real paycheck he's going to get as a songwriter, and this, you know, this changes his life. He, Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, and then it comes, you talk about life-changing, then you get to 68, and John and Paul are doing the before, Apple Press Conference. A little before, though, after the Beatles hear the acetate, the Beatles are calling Harry up at oh, yeah, that's three right. in the morning, that's two in the morning, right. and, and just saying, like, like basically the Family Guy, Louis, Louis, hi. <laughs> well, they were doing the same thing. They would call him up, and he'd be like, "Who's this? It's John Lennon, and I, we we think you're great. Uh, have a good night." And he's like, "What?" And he actually said, "I thought it was a dream." Of course. And then George did the same thing, and then Paul did the same thing, and then he waited around for Ringo to call, and it never came, which is so kind of cool. He said, "I was a little disappointed. Ringo, Ringo never called call me the next week." Yeah, yeah so, I mean, absolutely hysterical. And, and then yeah. the whole Harry Nielsen. Yeah, well, that's thing right, because now the Beatles are are obviously fans, you know. Yeah. And now the Apple press conference comes, and they're both asked who their favorite. Who American their favorite group. American groups are. Well, it's like Sophie Tucker, And they you know? both say Harry Nilsson. Right. At the same time. Which is hysterical. And and then Lennon starts chanting, Nilsson for president, Nilsson for president, which is just unbelievable. And nobody, I mean, at that time, the press had no idea who Harry Nilsson was. Well, they, they again, Very, they did because yeah, of the but, critical response to the record. But, yeah, but, but a lot again, of those people in the, who were writing articles. Oh, no clue. No. No clue. And they're now like, they're going to search him out. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's a different story. It's a game changer I mean, changer he had done some, don't forget, he was already starting to do, uh, on the verge of doing the TV appearances and stuff like that. And he was already Very getting- Very small. Yeah. You know, I don't think Ghost of Mrs. Muir had happened yet, but you know, that was- Oh God, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. But he's already starting to get some recognition. But basically what happens from there is Derek Taylor then calls Harry. Harry's working on a film called Skidoo with Otto Preminger. And- um, 
he says, uh, you know, do you want to come out and hang with the boys? I was like, okay. So he goes to Otto Preminger and says, you know, I need a couple of days off on the set. I'm going to go hang with the Beatles. <laughs> and Otto Preminger goes, you know, well, if you're going to go hang with the Beatles, then you'll get them to write some songs for the movie, yes? <laughs> and, yeah. and Harry's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, all right, then you could write it off as a business trip. So <laughs> Harry goes, and they write it off as a business trip. Otto Preminger knows the Beatles and not writing any songs yeah. for the movie. But he arrives in England like in the middle of June. Chris O'Dell picks him up at the airport. Very nicely enough, here's where like the connections really start. Ringo and Maureen had gone to the airport to leave England that day and left their limo right. for Harry and Chris O'Dell to take back with them, which was kind of a nice thing. Yeah. And Derek Taylor has set up this like huge party for him, this huge press conference and a huge party. They have like welcome uh, Harry stickers all over the place. And uh, Harry's completely, uh, completely blown away. And Harry, to his credit, um, has arrived with a mountain of marijuana, (laughs) thinking like, well, I know who I'm hanging with. So he and Derek lock themselves in Derek's office, and Derek is saying to him, do you know what you have brought me? You have brought me heaven, he says to him. (laughs) And they get ripped out of their shoes and listen to Harry's second album. And now it's like, now this stuff's getting serious, and Harry's getting to be, you know... But when he meets with Lennon, he immediately hits it off with him. Instantly. And that was a weird dynamic, too, because he hit it off with John, and he said he talked all night with him, and Yoko yeah. was by his side, yeah. and he yeah. said he just talked, I talked all night with him, and I, but not about the music industry. No, they just, just talked about uh, life. About life. And he said, I, 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 and... I just, right away, I knew we were kindred spirits, and for better or for worse. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of for, for better, better or for but worse. there's better or for worse. I mean, yeah. And and at this point, you're right, Rob. Not a lot of Paul involvement until now. Uh, really, at the, at this point, because now when they're over there, uh, Harry gets a call from Paul. Yeah. To come and meet with him, or, or actually, can can they come over to his hotel? What are you up to tonight? Oh He's yeah, like, right. So Harry, what are you up to tonight? It's a great story. Uh, yeah, I you know what am I up to tonight? No, it's hanging out, you know. So Paul and Linda came over, right. actually, to the hotel. And that's where Paul asks Harry to write the follow-up to Those Were the Days for Mary Hopkin. And that's where Harry writes the puppy song, which is, again, a brilliant little, you know, it's a ditty. Well, that, that's but the problem with just, Harry had too many ditties. But there is something about his, I, you know. I'm not saying they're bad. I mean, Randy, Randy music, Newman had Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear. But you and, just said we have Daddy's song, the puppy song, cuddly toy, too many ditties. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's, that, what that's he Harry though. But then, that, but that's maybe why he didn't make it as big. But Randy Newman Unf- didn't make it as big until he had short people. Right. I mean, he had he, right. Randy Newman had probably like six or seven albums. I mean, he had stuff, Sail but that Away. was in the nineties. Sail yeah. Away is Sail Away is not a making of a hit. Not at know? all. It's but a it's topic. Yeah, but it's one of the most brilliant songs of all of yeah. all time. Yeah, I, I just but, think that many people. But, I think you, he was pigeonholed. I yeah. I, I, agree I agree a little bit with that because if you write the same type of song. People are going to say that's all you got. Right. But they were very good songs. That's well, for better or for worse, this visit was going to have a really profound effect, partly because, too, uh, Harry's stuff with George Tipton is brilliant, beautiful. The arrangements are really big and over the top and orchestrated and whatnot. It could Harry have worked with George Tipton and led him more in a rock direction? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But you know, something happens. But I, I don't look at him as a... Rock and roll guy, I, I, Harry Nilsson. Well, not, he, not not the way 
for the songs we've heard so far? Not we, from the songs no. we've heard so no, far. No, no, no. I mean, jump into no. the fire's a rock song. Yeah, jump into the fire and daybreak. But the problem is, right. too, he was also, again, it's like you're saying, the problem is too many ditties, and then it was just too friggin' diverse. Too much of everything, really. You got to tell the story about the hotel. Yeah, well, go ahead. The story is that he's with Paul in the hotel, and it's late night. And they're singing, and they're making, you know, they're... Making they're, merry. Uh, making merry. <laughs> no, but, no, they weren't having a laugh. Well, maybe they were. Yeah. No, but, I mean, they were they were using guitar. They were writing songs. Yeah. And they get a knock from the hotel guests, and they're like, what, do you understand what's going on right now? It's three in the morning, and you're, you can't stop. And Paul actually went to them and said, hey. And they went, no. um. Uh, and they went, yeah. Carry on. Yeah, and then they said, oh, we didn't know it was you, Mr. McCartney. We're, we're really sorry. And, yeah, they were sharing and, song ideas and yeah. different things they were working on and stuff like that. Yeah, and, yeah. and they were bothering neighbors, now, but the neighbors then saw Paul and, and it was okay. Now, yeah, whether well. or not at that session, because it's, it's never been really figured out whether or not it was at that session that Paul played Mother Nature's Son for him. Because he did a cover. Which later, he would then yeah. cover like a year or so later no one's sure if that was at that moment I don't think so because it was Paul and Linda yeah think of the chronology of Mother Nature's Son okay 1968 yeah we're in 68 no 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 Mother Nature's Son is 68 yeah Paul and Linda are when? May 68. May 68. Yeah. I don't know if the chronology is right no it it is definitely because he's still in London in May and he's with Paul and Linda okay yeah, no, definitely. That was her first trip over there, I imagine. But yeah, probably. Okay. Because she went over to England, too. Yeah. And Harry for then- For a very good reason. <laughs> and before oh he God. leaves, Harry goes and stops in to a recording session, which he'd been asked- With the Beatles. Asked yeah. if he could do. Well, he gets there, and the main thing he, he watches is George doing the vocals for Piggies. And it, what he's taken a shine to, and what kind of like really blows him away, is their interaction with George Martin- I think it's more than George in the studio, but he's watching George and he's watching George Martin and it trips in his head. I can't really can't work with George Tipton anymore. Yeah. He's not right. He's not he's everything. He's seen the best. Now you can't be the rest. Yeah. And and it's not to say George Tipton wasn't freaking amazing. He was, but he wasn't right for Harry. Yeah, after right. a certain period. Right. And during during a break in recording at the studio, John comes in and they've just done the two virgins album cover. <laughs> and he walks over and he, he flips it to Harry and says, so what do you think of this? And Harry just doesn't really know what to respond. And he says, well, it appears you masturbate right-handed because you definitely swing to the left. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to think about that. So with that, John was like, this guy's amazing. You know, that's another like that has, you well, know. What, what was Ringo's reaction? I forgot. There was something similar to that. With John showed him it, and, and Ringo said, I, I didn't know what to say. I saw his cock out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice cover, John. <laughs> hey, nice, nice cock, John. No. Right. No, uh, no, no, thanks, no. Thanks for the cock, pal. But, um, <laughs> back on the cock. Back, oh, back God, on no. the cock. That's another show. Uh, that's that's another show. show. Yeah, please. And now at this point, too, it's it starts to circulate, whether it's the press, whether or not Derek Taylor himself is doing it. And we don't know. But now the words start to circulate that Harry is starting to be referred to as the American Beatle. Yeah. And Derek yeah. Taylor actually... Did called, take the blame for that? Yeah, I think he took the blame yeah, for that, if I'm not mistaken. Now, now, how did he... He's Harry Nielsen, but how did he become Nielsen? Because um, you think of, when you think of Nielsen, you would think of a band the way you think of, like, Santana. Yes. And I never understood why he wasn't just Harry Nielsen. 
Because, you know, he wrote and I, did he have a, a set band all this time? No. No. So, okay. No, never. So, so never. he just went as he, he did it as Nielsen partly because he came from a show family. Okay. He came from a family of, I mean, the Pandemonium Shadow Show and the Aerial Ballet and those were his relatives. His grandparents were circus performers. Okay. Basically. But and he did I think, covers on those albums. Yeah. Beatle oh yeah. covers. Yeah, he did Beatles. But, but where I'm going is that one of the family members, his his ancestors used Nilsson. That was just, okay. ta-da. Okay. And he just followed suit. Okay. Because I kept never understood as, why he wasn't, yeah, as a Harry solo Nilsen. artist, why he wasn't. Well, know, he, did a, he did a single on Warner Brothers with Cher. <laughs> so is Nilsson Cher. You know, <laughs> like Fabian. You know, Madonna. You know. Madonna. Anyway. Yeah. Ringo. So, good. Well, anyway. n- well, in 1968, then, the, the two songs that I know specifically for Harry Nilsson would be Daddy's Song, which, again, is not, if you actually look at the lyrics, it's not a happy subject. Not at all. But if you see it with Davy Jones singing it with, was it Annette from the show? No. no. Tony, Tony Basil. Basil. Tony Basil, yeah. 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 If, when you of see Mickey them Finn. dancing and you're like, oh, it looks like a upbeat, happy song. Read the lyrics without music. Yeah, but then yeah. he wrote the theme to The Courtship Daddy's Father, yeah. which is actually a, a very positive very happy. song yeah. about a daddy. Absolutely. So it, he did switch it around a little bit. Which actually is kind of funny because a lot of people thought he custom wrote that. He really, they needed something quick, and he had written a song called Girlfriend, and he just took people that you're telling me about my girlfriend and just stuck in best, best friend. friend. yeah. Really? And yeah, oh. and she's a warm-hearted person who loved me till the end, and he just stuck in, he's, he's a warm-hearted warm. person, and then... You know, and there and is it, a two-minute version of that, isn't there? No, there is not. I thought there was a no, longer there version. Is absolutely not. I thought no. there was a longer version. No, there is not. There's the it's one that's the in the show. Yeah. It's a 30-second snip. And then Harry was asked to do incidental music for the show. It only lasts about eight or nine episodes. There are times when, like, you'll see Bill Bixby putzing around the kitchen mm. and opening drawers up, and you'll hear, you'll be hearing, you know, yeah, and it went for like eight or nine shows, and then. Harry got busy and he was like, I can't be coming in the studio all the time to go, you know, for like eight seconds. So that didn't last too long. But anyway. But hey, so. that song, a yeah. lot of people know him just for that. Well, you know what that you did? Know? That I think that ingrained his voice in people's The heads. voice. No, no I don't think many people knew it was Nilsson. No. I just think you heard that voice. You went, what, what the hell is yeah. that? Yeah. And then, when really then when you, song. You, right. And then when you heard, well, I can't forget that you went, oh, all right. I think I know that tone uh, or whatever. That, uh, but, uh, cool. Anyway. Yeah. Ufa. Ufa. Yeah. So that takes him out of George Tipton. Right. And brings him to, to Richard Perry. And Richard Perry crosses over, obviously, to Ringo. And Harry starts working with with Richard Perry at some point in there. 1971, he's, he hears the song Without You. And at first, he, th- he thinks it's an obscure Beatles tune that he just right. never heard. <laughs> right. I mean, like, really? You know? Well, no, it does. It, it is Beatley. It, it Not is, but it isn't. I mean, I'm sorry, with all due respect. I don't love, mean that part. I love you, Tom Evans. I love you. I love you both, you and Pete Ham. I'm but, not talking about that inflection of it. I'm just talking about, well, I can't. No, no, no. But I mean, if you take the harmony, yeah, come on. Yeah, that's true. If you take Pete Ham's thing. But once you get you to the- You put Paul on there? Can't live. No, I know. I can't live. Yeah, that's- like, oh my God, the whole song just like, yeah. you, you just take the headphones off, you go, yeah. okay, No, it's still, it's still a great song. It's a It is a great a song. Punch, you know, it's the song I love Mariah Carey's version. Oh my. I'm just Anyway, uh, sorry. All right, that so Rob, it's just the two of us, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> and the mic goes down. All right. So 
<laughs> Sorry, kidding. Mariah Carey's never covered a Beatles song. And that's a good thing. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, coming into Harry's circle is like the likes of Jim Keltner. He and Klaus start getting really tight. Klaus is all you over know. the place. Klaus and he became thick as thieves. He, he was really you, close you, to you Klaus. look at Klaus, and he played on John's albums, George's albums, Ringo's albums, but he was also there on the uh, Pussycats album. He's there on... On um, what is it? I think it's the on the Keith Moon album. Yeah. So he's just yeah. this guy did not stop playing. Not at all. He played with Carly Simon. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's the one who came up. Boy, did he play with Carly Simon? He came up the beginning part of You're So Vain. Yep. You know? sitting around they were trying to think of how to Rich, start it. Rich, 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 Richard Perry heard it and said, "We can use that." So and that's now speaking of which. Harry goes in, and this is a little off, uh, but Richard Perry brings him in to do the backing vocals on You're So Vain. Right. And Harry's all set to go, and then, you know, Jagger shows up. So, Bye-bye. you know, yeah, so Harry's like, mm, yeah, I don't think they'll need me here. He just kind of packs up and walks out. Richard Perry's like, eh, eh, sorry, dude, yeah. you know. So never gets to do that. Understandably. But, you know, it, we, we also forgot to say, too, that aside from all the studio stuff and the, and the technos, they were also, Harry and the Beatles also got, you know, we're doing a little bit of the late night carousing here and there too. Uh, well, that goes a couple oh, of years later. That, that also uh, leads to oh, his demise. Leads, yeah. Well, first he was hanging out with Ringo because yeah. John was still with Yoko yeah. at that time. What's funny too, Ringo and Harry both have sons named Zach. From, yes. You know too. And, and know also, don't, don't forget, know. at this point we're in '71 or two now, and he's recorded Isolation. That's right. I mean, my goodness. He's recorded a demo of Blackbird. A killer version of Isolation, by the way, which did not see release until the 2000, uh, year 2000 period. Right, as a bonus track for the Pandemonium. Yeah, yeah, it was was a bonus track. But his version of Isolation is just devastating. Old Dirt Road, which is a little later. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. He's done so many covers and he continues to. Oh, yeah. Even into the later, well, I say the later years. I mean, I'm talking of the the early years of the solo Beatles. Yes, and and until the later years of his RCA career. Yes. The very last album is has a version of that as all, which is just, you know. Yeah, anyway. we, well, yeah, there's a whole bunch yeah. of others. Yeah. And I don't know if this is true or not, but, you know, Harry Harry and Ringo start getting tight in 71 as Harry is going back and forth. You know, I can't remember when he relocated to L.A., but, you know, Harry and, and Ringo form a, a relationship. Well, there was, a you know, unfortunately a commonality there. Yeah, Drinking. the alcohol. The alcohol. Yeah. Absolutely, the alcohol. And, and it, was, it was Nielsen who got Richard Perry hooked up with Ringo. Because he said, well, who do you recommend? And yeah. yeah. Said Richard Perry. Richard Perry, yeah. So that's a crossover there. Yes, that's, and on that know, album that Richard Perry produced for Ringo. He ropes Harry in. Right. And he and does he the, sa- the uh, kazoo the solo. The kazoo solo with, with, Paul. with Paul and you're 16. Uh, you're 16. And those incredibly gorgeous backing vocals in... in uh, um, in, in year 16, right, you know, right. just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, everybody thinks but, it was a Paul, but it's, no, not. it's not. But before he does the Ringo album, he records on uh, Son of Schmilson, records a song called You're Breaking My Heart. Mm. And a lot of people thought Harry was going through a divorce at the time with his first wife, Diane, and a lot of people always thought You're Breaking My Heart had to be about his relationship with Diane. But it's such a nasty, quick throw-off, You're Breaking My Heart, You're Turning It Apart, oh, fuck you that some people have said it might have been about Ringo because he said, you won't boogaloo and run down to tramps. And that's where they used to hang. Yeah. So, you know, nobody knows whether or not he had had a fight with Ringo that morning, wrote a song, 
and just laughed his ass off over doing this song called You're Breaking My Heart, so I'll fuck you. You know. Can you imagine, though, if that's true, then Turnabout's fair play because Ringo wrote Back Up Boogaloo about Paul. <laughs> I mean, well, no, Back Up Boogaloo had already been written. I'm, so, no, yeah, I'm just right, saying. Exactly. He did right. it first. Oh, that's true. And then he you wrote You Want Boogaloo. Boogaloo. <laughs> it's like, what? what the hell? That's very funny. I didn't even think of that. Well, you, right. maybe you should. Maybe I should. Don't turn the mic down but from now But this on. is where it starts to get in where he's hanging out more with well, the Hollywood the Ringo vampires. and the Hollywood, Hollywood vampires. vampires and then John's there too. And yeah, well, his comment where he, his big thing was Ringo and I spent a thousand hours laughing. It's a straightforward comment yes. on that. But Ringo ends up getting involved in the musical side now with Harry, too. Right. You know, so. We're going to take a break right now, and uh, we'll be back right after this. We're talking about Harry Nilsson and the Beatles. Beatles schmeedles. Hi, folks. This is Tony from Fab Four Free For All. As Mitch has mentioned several times, the cast of Fab Four Free For All do not profit in any way doing these shows for all of you. In fact, we actually lose money because of studio time and other production expenses. Now, we have looked into show sponsors, but for a number of reasons, we've decided it would be in the best interest of all of us, including you, our listeners, not to have sponsored ads in our shows. So, what we've done is set up a Patreon account. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that allows artists to obtain funding from patrons on a recurring basis. Now, it can be as little or as much as you think you can send to us, for the work that we put into providing quality Fab Four free-for-all shows. Now, we know that we have thousands of worldwide listeners, and if each of you just contributed a dollar a month, that's just 25 cents per episode, we would have enough to retire and not have to do these shows. (laughs) Sorry. Seriously, though, we've gotten some great feedback from everyone about how much these shows mean to you, and we feel the same way. But it would be nice if we could break even in terms of costs so that we can continue to bring these shows to you in a timely fashion. Yeah, I know, we can be delayed every once in a while, but that's because, as John Lennon so beautifully said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. But we do vow to make every effort to have a quality show to you every week. We only ask that everyone go and visit Patreon.com to at least check out what it's all about and to see if you can contribute a little something in return for all the hard work and effort that we put into these shows for you. Just do a search for Fab Four Free For All, and tell us that you give a buck about what we do. Thanks to all of you for being such great loyal listeners. And we're back here on the Fab Four Free For All, and we're talking about Harry Nilsson, Beatles Schmeedles, as... Nilsson Schmilsson, Beatles Schmeedles. Um, I and put the lime in my coconut every night. <laughs> How you doing? And it's right sh- now we're about uh, the fun. time when uh, Ringo and... Harry Nilsson are doing a lot of recording together, actually, first. You know, Ringo f- recorded with him first before John did. Yeah. Um, he, well, Ringo's did all the over Ringo album. At, the we, Ringo album. Yeah. And then, yeah. don't forget, we, for, we forgot about Son of Dracula. Well, no, well, that yeah, was 74. It's around that, that time, yeah. I mean, well, we're right around that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all 72, 73, yeah, it is, 74. Right. It's all around so, that. So, you know. Ringo plays drums on the Son of Schmilson record. As Richie um, Snare. By and way. we've left off the fact, we brought it up because of the Beatles connection, but that little song that Harry heard, Without You... Was Badfinger. Was Badfinger, and became a monster hit single when Harry redid it. And who owns the publishing? Um, Apple Music. Apple Music, yeah. And not only um, that, by the way, it was just you used as of this taping it was used in a Heinz ketchup commercial yes. at the yeah. Super Bowl the last yeah, Super Bowl yeah it was oh, okay. but it's funny the first person who we played the finished version for was Derek Taylor and Derek apparently cried he just couldn't believe it because now 
That song symbolizes all of the potential that is Harry Nilsson. All of it. The drop-dead gorgeous vocal. The vocal's the best. The, my opinion, one of the consummate vocals ever done in the history of rock and roll. And and Harry had times when he wasn't happy with it. He thought it was a little melodramatic. Yeah, no. I well, it is know. melodramatic. It is. But it fits but that song. It fits that song. The reason why I say you hold that in your mind is the symbol, because 72, then 73, then it's gone. Yeah. So you get the full burst of this. A quick burst. That's it. Genius. But now we've moved out of those flowery, beautiful arrangements with George Tipton, and you're in rock and roll. Now he's starting to scream, you know, jump into the fire. He's screaming. Which didn't he's, fit him. Which, well, it, it, he loved it. I, I he didn't say he didn't it. love it, but he did, didn't fit him. But you start pounding the instrument like that. And you ain't going to have it. You're going to cause a problem. Look at Paul. So, yeah. So, well, anyway. I, I want to mention one thing because we, we jumped over it. He had Everybody's Talking. That was his first well, top 69. 10. That's right. 69. 69, but it was part of the Midnight Cowboy movie. Yeah. And that was a big movie, and that song was a big part of that movie. So, Absolutely. I just wanted to just include that. I know it's not Beatley, but. No, no, no. But, just, yeah. I mean, he's he's very Glenn Campbelly. Very Glenn Campbelly. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous, too. And I think when I was a kid, I might have I, thought it was I Glenn did Campbell. think it was Glenn Campbell. Yeah. And, and without you, went to number one for four weeks and was on the chart for 19, which is... It's a long time. And won a Grammy for Best Pop yeah. Male Vocal. I remember so. not being able to turn on the radio without hearing that oh, song. That I, song was everywhere. 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 Because everywhere. It, but it also played on other formats. It just wasn't a yeah. pop hit. It, played it on, was... I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not kidding. That song, you couldn't switch the dial and not... You, you heard it everywhere. Yeah. So. Uh, and then uh, 72, before they start, while they're working on the music, Ringo helps Harry find his apartment in London and curse on place. And I had never... Real uh, known, and you and I talked about. It, and you were like, "Oh yeah, that Ringo had a furniture company." Oh yeah, yeah, Ringo's furniture. Company. Ringo's furniture company, and and Harry says, "Go ahead, knock yourself out, babe. Decorate my apartment." So Ringo, Ringo and, and his Robin. partner Robin, Ringo and Robin, do Harry's apartment, which you know is hysterical. I really didn't know that. I really didn't. I thought Ringo wanted to be a hairdresser. <laughs> there's actually two hairdressers. Two hairdressers. Yeah. They actually have. There's a picture of Ringo with with one of the pieces of furniture. I think so cool. Yeah, yeah somewhere yeah. I forgot. Well, it was I, an I, interesting thing for him to go into. Yeah. Well, he far. also started startling music. The, the yeah. label. Yeah. Yeah, one but, album. Yeah. You know, at least he covered the Ringo album. Right. Well, David, yeah, that's true. David, David Henschel. Henschel. Yeah. 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 So you were starting to mention Son of Dracula. Well, that's 74, so let's, uh, let's well, say... Well, it comes out in 74. Oh, yeah, being okay. done in 73. Right. Ringo's on that album on a lot of the tracks. He's also in the movie, obviously. In the movie, yeah. yeah. Well, plays. when you say he's on, he's on the music, but, yeah, he's, uh, but most of the music had already appeared on other albums. There was really no, not much It was interesting music. because the, the soundtrack came out on Apple. Yeah. So well, the sound soundtrack Rapple. came out on Rapple. Rapple yeah, it was, wasn't was, Apple. Yeah, but yeah. technically it was. It was yeah, well, yeah. subs like Zapple but and Rapple. He, he's he's listed as Richie Snare on uh, Smilson. Yes. But on this, because it's Apple or Rapple, whatever, it says Ringo Starr and yes. and, and yeah. George Harrison. George Harrison played Cowbell on Daybreak. Yeah. yeah. And Ringo's on most <laughs> yeah. of the tracks. And drumming. Daybreak being the only real new track, right. of all of them on this, and that had been out as a single. But the it's movie also, and the album didn't do anything. The no, movie and the album no. didn't do much. Daybreak as a single, eh. Uh, it, it didn't was, even chart. Didn't, yeah, it didn't chart. Um, Mickey Dolan's did a cover of it. And that you didn't know, chart. And, and that, that didn't, didn't chart either. But Ringo, you got to remember, Ringo produced it. Yep. It was Ringo's idea. He hired Harry to play the countdown. Ha ha. D-O-W-N-E. Ringo played you know, Merlin, right? Yeah, no, Ringo played the wizard. Oh, the wizard, okay. And what's interesting is Harry didn't get paid for it. All he asked was for Ringo to pay to have his teeth fixed. 
<laughs> and and he did. And re- and Harry got a you know Harry got a brand new set of choppers. We do have to I got remember a brand new too. Key. Nice. We do have to remember too because <laughs> and we're skipping around to talk about Harry's successes by himself. It, let's not make it sound in any way like Harry's incredible success is tied well, in with, yeah, with the Beatles. No, the it's, Beatles. It's, walk, it's side Harry by side. has had a brilliant, brilliant animated TV special called The Point. Right. Ringo no, narrated. Not, not, not on the original back then. It Dustin Hoffman originally. Well, then, Ringo and, then know, was dubbed over. In, Ringo's in, dubbed over in much later years. Yeah. 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 And uh, Mickey and uh, Davey. Davey play the roles on a, London's Broadway. And that's what they didn't speak for two years after that. That was an incredible source of anger for Mickey and Davy that that split the friendship completely was them doing the point Mickey and Davy Mickey, Mickey and, and Davy they Why? hated each other after that Why? they got into a fist fight backstage in the middle of the run and apparently like Davy blackened his eye or something like that for one of the performances and they and they never they didn't speak for two years don't mess with Davy yeah he's, well, a, he's got the he's Napoleon a, but the, but yeah, the son of Dracula has, has never been released on DVD very, Never been it, for good I, reason. It's not a great movie. For, it's crap. It's it's not. It's <laughs> there's probably good reasons why we'll never see but, it. Well, because Ringo was actually doing different movies at the time. Like that'll be the day, yeah, which is which a good is movie, really good, good movie. movie. And, and then you got this and uh, the Mark Boland film. You have Born to Boogie. Born to Boogie. And that was seventy two. <sighs> that was smoking. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Ringo, well, Ringo, well, Ringo had a pretty yeah. Good, I mean, you know, yeah. he did Blind Man too. But, yeah, mm-hmm. but but Ringo had a great eye. But this thing just. I heard he had two. It was a nice. No, it was a disaster. It came out to really crap reviews. Yeah, yeah it did. Um, everybody was just like, "No, please, just make it go away." And and it just it just kind of vanished without a trace. It's, it reminds me of Let It Be. It's kind kind of an, almost an embarrassment. Oh no, no, Let no. It Be is not an embarrassment. Let it, no, Let It Be is just boring sad. crap, but it's not an embarrassment. Well, no, this, I'm, not, well I'm not saying that it's crap. Let It Be, but no, th- this was like a weird scenario because they had like really famous actors. Right. Who just were not being directed well, with all due respect to Ringo, or just really didn't give a damn, and the, the performances are just camp. horrible. Honestly, I really it's think not it's even the, good enough. To I think camp. it's the precursor to Rocky Horror. Oh, uh, uh, you uh, never know. Rocky yeah, Horror was '75, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah but, but the play, I don't know if the play was before that. Yeah, and I don't know if Richard O'Brien would have even seen. It was so bad. It's just so. No, awful. this was horrible. But a cool version of Jump Into the Fire. I think the live version of Jump Into the Fire is in the movie, and that's smoking. That's a yeah. really, really, really cool scene done in, like, the basement of the Count's house. Blah. But anyway. Became <laughs> the monkey's Dracula <laughs> guy. Right. In Hotel Transylvania. I love that movie. It says, what's this blah? I never said blah all those years. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, so March 5th, they go in the studio, and um, of what they year? record your 16, March 5th, 1973. Okay. Yeah. And then, dum dum dum, fall of 1973. Guess who shows up in LA? Mr. Lennon. Yep. John Lennon. And it all goes down the shitter from there. Well, yes and no. Lennon went to LA on his lost weekend. You know, but Lennon, uh, me too. Because Lennon had a very productive 18 months. He did. Okay, and frustratingly so. Absolutely frustratingly so. But <laughs> no offense, May. We're not talking about that. No, 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 no. <laughs> now here's where we get a little weirded out because at this point you have to say that the bad guy in the relationship is not John Lennon at this point. Harry let his excesses get to him by now. Yeah, and, and he it's really al- did. It's already starting to. The cocaine oh, started, my, and, and the yeah. drink is just amazing, yeah. and smoking. 
So when Lennon comes out, cigarettes, heavy, heavy cigarettes. Yes, and having a laugh. And but here's the problem, though, that you know he comes out to L.A. John does, and Ringo and Harry are already indulging in everything. And John was like, "Ooh, you know, I gotta get it, get me some." And then, you know, unfortunately, like I said in the beginning, you know, Harry had John's damage. Well, Harry really was the instigator in getting John. To be a little bit crazy when he was in L.A. Yeah, with, when he was hanging out in the Troubadour. And well, yeah, there was the whole Troubadour incident. And, it's, and it's, also, it's also the idea, too, that, like, w- what do you do? I mean, John had already been used. John had been doing this for such a long time at that point. Not that, I mean, Harry had been working in music since 62, 63 also. But John was already kind of used to the indulgence enough that he could He could deal it with back. it. Yeah, he could deal with it. You know, he had already been a junkie. It was off the stuff. And somehow was kind of could do his excesses and then pull back. Harry was just starting the the phase where John was you know way back, and he was not used to it. And now he had John to be in cahoots with. Yeah. And yeah. he took full advantage of it. Yeah. Yes, we, we always hear about the Troubadour incident yeah. with the Smothers Brothers and all that. Which is like uh, five months or so into the visit. Correct. Really. And and that's the problem. But the, but that we always hear the Lost Weekend. When you hear the Lost Weekend, it's always, you know, the Troubadour, he punched him out. You can't just go by that. That's not indicative of John's 18 no, months. No, it wasn't, it wasn't no. really a turning point. It, it was another another nail in the, uh, you well, know. Not in the coffin, but it was uh, it was just another notch in the belt of every reporter well, who wanted to put down the Beatles but or John Lennon. Here's an interesting little turn that we don't realize Harry's involvement, though, with John and in the importance of Harry and John's life here. Mm-hmm. All right, the whole Troubadour thing happens. It's like March, it's March 13th, the Troubadour incident happens. Right, John has been in and out of the club already with the whole sanitary napkin incident. Yeah, he comes back for the midnight show. Harry had seen Tommy Smothers a bunch of months earlier doing Tommy's solo show, and Tommy was really floundering. Harry starts heckling Tommy. Tommy realizes who it is, starts ants snapping right. back, and the audience gets involved. Gets the joke. Oh, yeah. we love this. So Harry this thinks fun. that I'll do this again. Harry says, help him out. I'll do this again. I'll help my buddy out. Come mm-hmm. on, John, you and me both. Let's. So these two now drunk out of their faces, idiots are screaming at Tommy Smothers. The, the Smothers. No, the uh, both, both of them. Right, right. They Tommy can't see who he is in the dark. They right. have no idea what's going on. Now it's a bad scene. So now they're escorted out at 1220 and on the way out, John loses his glasses. Right. There's some photographer coming at him with a Polaroid. Right. John takes a swing. It's a woman. It's a woman. John takes a swing, hits the camera, and the camera hits her eye. Uh-oh. Now, here's the big problem. What's going on for John Lennon in the middle of all this? Deportation suit. Depor friggentation. Yep. Could you imagine if John, a misdemeanor like that, forget it, assault, he would have been gone. So what? So Harry's now freaking out. What he does is he gets the car, he goes, and and they're about to go testify over what's going on. He goes and gets Jimmy Webb in the car. He pulls Jimmy Webb into the car, and he says, Jimmy says, what the hell? What's going on? And Harry says, look, you were at the Troubadour. And Jimmy says, I was? You were at the Troubadour. You saw what happened. John didn't hit anybody. And Jimmy Webb says, there I am because it's Harry, and I love him. Because anything Harry ever asked you to do, you did. Yeah. And he said, here I am purging myself in a courtroom because we got to keep John in the country. Right. And if it hadn't been for Jimmy Webb purging himself, 
with the investigation underway, who knows whether or not John would have been able to stay, you know. And really instigated all by Harry. Right, right. Not he revered John. John oh, yeah. Idolized John. But to, he, to I'm fault. sure Harry looked at it as, as fun, not as trouble. Uh, well, yeah, but yeah. That, when yeah. reality smacked him in the face, then. Well, but the thing, the thing that's weird is that Harry, by himself, always got away with stuff like that. Somehow, Harry, everybody forgave Harry everything because he was charming, lovable. John would get. Boisterous. Well, he was a belligerent drunk. John was a belligerent drunk. Harry was a lovable, sloppy, funny drunk, except for a couple of occasions when he got himself arrested. Yeah, yeah. John was a little more messy, you know. A couple of Brandy Alexanders, you done. That's it. Mm. Yeah, and that was their drug of choice there for yeah. a while. But yeah, we do not mention, at some point... John says, look, we got to be a little more productive. <laughs> we have to. Well, it, that's the way John thought. Yes, but John reeled it back, like you said, and yeah. said, look, I can't deal with this. We've got to be more productive. So, let's make so a he record. says, let's make a record. They make Pussycat. John produces. It's not Harry's best work, as we all know. Hmm. But the great byproduct that comes out of this record is the fact that Paul and John reunite. Yeah. yeah. And, and nobody, yeah. you know, as much as Harry instigated... The fight in the Troubadour, yep. Harry, I'm not going to say instigated the Beatles getting back together, these two, but it was because John said to Harry, let's make a record, right. and Paul was in L.A., yep. and now, yep. you know, May Pang has those great pictures yep. in her book, Instamatic Karma, Instamatic Karma, yeah. and, uh, which is a very good book, by the way. So y- you get those great pictures of Paul and Linda and, and Paul and John sitting on the same chaise lounge, yeah. like right next to each other, right. you're like, you've never seen that. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah, you forget that John and Paul at that point weren't fighting anymore. No, no they weren't. It was done. Very yeah. loving. And, yeah. and, and the pictures really show it. That's a great picture. Yeah, it's well, there's a bunch of good pictures. And Ringo's there too. Yeah. And well, not, you don't see Ringo in the pictures. But yeah. but, uh, but then there's that whole bootleg of A Toot and a Snore, which snore came out of the, that. Well, the whole group of friends were all in that house. The house yeah. was in Santa Monica. Yes. Yes. And Keith the whole. Group of of buds. Yeah, were all Keith, hanging Ringo, there. John, Stevie Klaus, Wonder Ringo, was even at the John. session though. Yeah, I mean May talks about you know Keith showing up with like a different woman every night and just the unbelievable things that Keith was pulling. Right, but he was he was a friend. But what was amazing was, and you talked about this too. Harry idolized John. Yeah, you know, he was saying it to a and, fault. And here he is, despite John being a friend, John's an idol. So they go in, they start at Hollywood Recorders doing the album, and Harry's scared. And not only that, he knows he's not in full voice. He's not. They're drinking heavily. And I don't know why John, I mean, apparently there was questions as to did John ever notice literally the blood on the microphone? Because Harry was hemorrhaging at this point and hiding it from John. Well, if he's hiding it, it's going to be tough. But how? after a while, you have to probably see it. Maybe he didn't think about it. Yeah. Maybe he didn't think it was anything bad. You know, I, no, you know. common sense. It, John's, a, John's still a musician. Common mm, sense yes. tells you when there's blood on a microphone, yeah, something's but not right. Then again, listen to you John's know. rock and roll sessions. Come on. Well, true, but those just was, they were under the influence, too, and John's off pitch, and, well, but the, he's the not, pussycats, they're not, he's on, not bleeding. Buddy, pussycats, they're not, they're horrible. I, uh, I, under the influence? I will disagree with you, and I've just listened to this record this week to prepare for this. I actually thought the album was much better than I've heard. Um, it has moments. It does have moments. Mucho Mungo Mount Elga is nice enough 
Yeah. But Mucho Mungo is a cover of John Lennon. Right. Yeah, but it wasn't a cover at the time. He wrote it for that. I, I get John it. wrote the song, but wrote it for that album. You John know. covered himself. And John, and John himself. never released a version of that song. Though, no. I was trying to figure out where the chords were, you know, where that song... Yeah. It's like, that's another... Yeah. If you think of Here We Go Again yep. and Same thing. Mucho Mungo, it's, a, it's yeah. very... Yeah, it's very similar. But you know, but it, it's just messed up because now Harry's in this thing where like he's going to the doctor, he's going for acupuncture, right. and at night he's he's snorting coke and drinking his ass off. Mm. I, I also think that what? Harry was trying to sound like John. Was it going to happen? And he didn't have that lower, ballsy Register. John Lennon voice that John Lennon had. He was Aren't, more like Paul. Yeah, yeah, I do. So agree if you're going to sing like gonna... John, and obviously you can't because most people can't, yeah. and this led, to, and plus with all the drugs he was doing and everything else, this is a perfect storm type of thing for, yeah. in a bad way for Harry. Yeah, I mean, there's apparently some comedy in the situation that <laughs> at one point Harry goes to the doctor to get everything fixed, and the doctor tells him you have to be completely silent for two weeks. So they said for like this lasted like. 48 hours and apparently there were two days and I think May is the one that mentioned of them all like writing notes and ch on a chalkboard and and they were all being quiet in solidarity for Harry so could you imagine like Ringo John yeah, going into all these Jim musicians Elder, going and no one's these, talking no one's talking which is hysterical and, but of course and, and in 1969 work. everybody was talking yeah. Oh, oh, that was good. I'm trying, you know. Oh, I'm good. listening. Very, very good. Can, can we talk about the Pussycats album? Because well, we we can just real quick. Not John, a lot. John said John had this to say about it, and then we'll. Yeah. Okay. He said uh, about the problems, especially. He said, "I think this was psychosomatic. I think he was nervous because I was producing him. You know, he was an old Beatle fan when he was at the bank, but I was committed to this thing. The band was there, and the guy had no voice, so we made the best of it. Mm. Okay." But he even knew the guy had no voice. Yeah. Like I said, I thought it was a, it was a much better record than I would think of because it's gotten all bad press. Yeah, the reputation's years. terrible. Right. Sure. But Many Rivers Across is, is, a, is a pretty decent opening track. I think one of the first things they recorded, yeah, and too. Everyone says the arrangement, the backing arrangement, is, ends up in Number Nine Dream. Yeah. But not exactly. It's not like he just took the backing. Every, I always thought it was, uh, you know, they literally lifted it. It's no, not. There's, no. There's other things he added to it um, yeah. musically, not just uh, st stylistically. I love Subterranean Homesick Blues. Mm. Also recorded early on. Yeah. I just don't get it. It's okay. It's, but I, it's a mess. It's a nice cover. It's, it's a nice cover, I it's, thought. This is Harry Effin Nilsson. You know, of all, pick a Dylan song that you could do something meaty with. You want to do Visions of Johanna? Come on, Harry. Pick a song of, of <laughs> Bob friggin' Dylan's that had, we were with John Lennon in producing in the studio. Pick, but he said it had to be a party. The album was going to be, we're just moving the party. Right. To the so but, it was too much of a party. but it was too much of a party. It made for, look, let's face it, when you listen to stuff that you do with your friends when you're hanging out at a party and you go, this is the best thing ever. And you all sit around and play guitars. When you record that, guess what happens when you play it back? It sounds like shish. Yeah, right. That's true. And that's right. what this But is. you always think, oh my God, I, that was I, so good. Oh, that was the best thing ever. I actually, oh I actually like Ringo and and, uh, and Jim Kelton's drumming on it. And maybe that's oh, yeah. you know, what I like about it. And Ringo's on most of the record too, we should say. It's not just yes. John producing. Yeah. Ringo... Yeah is basically there and of course we forget to mention part of who was a lot of these sessions also Bobby Keys yep. if you put like Ringo 
Harry Nielsen, Bobby Keys, and Keith Moon together. Well, you got a pretty good drinking team there. Oh, you bet. Yeah, <laughs> a drug bet. team, too. So, Don't Forget Me, I thought it was a pretty okay. touching song yeah. to an extent. We, I don't know if we should track by track. Well, I'm, no, just we, saying, no, I'm, I'm just not. saying. I'm just saying. But I, I liked his version of Save the Last Dance for me, very much but in again, the rock and roll mode. Mm. Rock and roll album from John. Not a know. lot of originals, though. Mm. Uh, but, it's, but you know what it is? It's the well, sessions, it's the rock and roll sessions were Meh, too. We've well, always said that's not. But the, the Spectre version, record. but not the versions he cut in October of '74, much better. Well, not much, much better. They're, they're much more focused than, true, than the Spectre. Well, yeah, well, this so. comes album comes back to New York as well. Right, yeah. But well, there was, wasn't there a time when, forgive me if I'm wrong, but, I, but correct me too, but I thought there was a time when Harry and John were recording with Phil. Yes. And yeah. Phil had the gun. And yeah, Harry and was said, there. Yeah, yeah and, Harry and John was there. said, yeah. "Phil, if you're gonna if you're gonna you shoot, shoot me, me, just shoot me. You don't know, kill me now. Ears. Don't ruin yeah. my ears. I need those. Yeah. Something like that. So, I mean, yeah. like, wow. Yeah, no. Spectre was was out. You know, before out there. they yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. right before they did Pussycats. Yeah. Right, yeah. but then again, don't forget after Pussycats, around the time he records only you." Right with, uh, with for Ringo? Good Night Vienna. For, yeah, well, yeah, right around that time. Right around and, that time. It all connected. I mean, unfortunately, that it doesn't well, last and, much longer. Right. Well, John had done "I'm the Greatest" for uh, the Ringo. Ringo album. He did his demo of "Only You." Yep. Harry on the backing vocals. Right. And, and then, then they, they fly passed in, it to right. Ringo and flying in, but flying his voice. That's yeah, it. but I mean, it could have ended up. On John's record, obviously. It could have. Which would have been interesting because it would have been Harry on backing vocals on John's album. Would have been R- cool. really? I, I always thought Only You was John was there with them and he asked John to sing into it so he can sing along. You sing to the it. guide vocal. I don't think yeah. it was a yeah. demo that he gave to Ringo. I'm not really sure what so. the timing was. But the, the other thing, too, again, about the involvement and the influence, other than just the music, at this time, Harry's RCA contract re ups. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, that's one of the reasons why John's name was on the record. Yep. There, was, there was a thing where to scare RCA a little bit or to make them, they thought, well, we'll sign Harry and then John Lennon, whose you contract's coming up in a year, uh, he'll join us over at RCA. And they sort of even hinted at it, too. Oh, yeah, they so, went right in. They went into the office yeah, together. So they so basically. They, in a drunken yeah. morning, they yeah. went into the yeah. office so, together. So this that's maybe why his name, I mean it helps to sell the record, but to have produced by John Lennon on oh, there yeah. is, is, was part of the the sort of the marketing plan a little bit. Nelson ends up nailing, nailing a deal for four and a half million bucks, which was pretty good on the basis of an advance against five hundred sixty-two thousand five hundred dollars to be paid on delivery for each of eight albums. Wow, now that he did, never happened. Was mind blowing. He didn't get all of it because he didn't deliver eight albums, but. Harry would go on to say throughout the rest of his life that he owed his financial stability to John. Right. You know, which is, an, you know, an amazing thing to, to because say. Because of scare tactics. Scare tactics. Yeah. yeah and, and freaking him out. You were talking about the cover of Pussycats, which right. is kind of funny. Well, I didn't realize this until, like I said, last week. Yeah, going that, through. Most the, people the, the won't. The Kitties is a postcard, by the way, that he found in, in the hotel they were staying in. If you look at the bottom, there's a picture of, the, of D, a square D like a children's block, then there's a rug, and then there's a square children's block of an S. If you put it together like the show Concentration, it would spell drugs. What a shock. Yeah. Uh, and for these two, well, at like least for Harry, John, what I like about this record is that this record led to Walls and Bridges production-wise. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think the production I on this, wholeheartedly. I think the production on I this is very that. good. Yep. And John, where... 
like on mind games and other stuff, the recording wasn't right, the mixing wasn't right. This was a little better. But you know what though, and John? This led to Walls and Bridges. John still takes the hit for that album, and always will. John always did. Oh, John, John said that album was my fault. He said, "Well, he he's one of the recommends they do it." And and also he he was saying the reason why that album's not as good is because I wasn't a good enough producer. I think he learned a lot. You know, he did learn a lot, right. but, but at the expense his, of that album, right? Yeah. That was his, you know, and, but, but the between, one that you do when you're learning is never going to yeah, be great. Yeah, but between his learning and Harry's voice, oh yeah, you're done. Well, you you're were done. shot. Yeah, this was. And, and I, I like the fact there's really an unreleased John Lennon song in here, Mucho Mungo. Mucho he, Mungo. Never, he never mm. recorded it officially, yeah. and I love Loop De Loop. I was playing that. It's not what you want exactly from a Harry Nielsen album, but I like the way well, it sounds. that's what it is. It, again, it's, 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 the, it's the idea of if the Beatles had, in the middle of their career, recorded an album of Glenn Miller classics, <laughs> would we be like, oh, that was so great. We'd be like, well, that's a friggin' anomaly. And, I wouldn't I mean, be in the mood. Nice. Ouch. That's good. Ouch. No, but hey. you know what it is? That, that album is an, is an anomaly in a sense that up until this point, you know, Harry was giving us some really, really awesome You're right. Stuff. It, it is a different I, album. And, and I don't think anybody... You had the Standards record. You right, know, You right. had the little touch of Schmilson in the night. He'd recorded an album of Standards. And the sad thing is, man, that Standards album, his voice is starting to give way. There's moments where it's not a right. A little bit. Yeah, there's, but there's, there's, they need to do a video of the whole album. Yeah. They went to England and they redid the whole album live. Yeah. But you're talking about... Holy hell, this is still Harry friggin' Nilsson. You get to this thing and boom, crash and burn. Crash and you burn. You know what? I, I have to say, to me, this album is almost like Free as a Bird and Real Love to the Beatles canon. I don't consider this like a real Harry Nilsson album. I In just a way, don't. It's true. I don't. It is different from yeah. what Harry was doing. It's not what Harry did. Yeah. Anyway. In, in New York, they went and redid the vocals to um, Old Dirt Road. And uh, save the last dance for me, I think. And Old Dirt Road isn't on here. No, Old Dirt Road ended up ended up being an outtake, and of course John scooped did it. it up first yeah. and, and did it. It's his a co-written for, for those who don't know. It was co-written by Harry and yeah. John uh, well, for Walls yeah. and Bridges. And Walls and, and Bridges. And Harry sings background vocal on that. Yeah, on John's album. And you can kind of hear where Harry's lines and Harry's sensibilities come in. By the way, if any of you have the chance to hear it, the quad mix of that record has substantially better vocal takes. Really? In almost every instance, the vocal mix used or the vocal take used for the quad mix is substantially better than the one that ended up on the stereo record. Mm. I've never heard God it. God only knows why, but that's You that's know, they the reissued this as a two-disc set with additional bonus tracks. you think they would have put the quad mix out like a DVD or yeah. thing, and they didn't. Yeah, you, you would think. Very but bizarre. Two more things about the, I, I, like I said, I like this on Pussycats. First of all, you get Keltner, Keith Moon, and Ringo on two songs. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Rock Around the Clock and, uh, was it, Loop De Loop? Yeah. Yeah, Loop De Loop, there was the other one. It sounds fantastic. It, it, I just think it's noise. Really? It's too much. Uh, well, I just I, think it's I, noise. I it was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. I never like party records. Okay. I, and that's, I, that's probably I, part of what it is. I never like party records, except the Beach Boys Party, which I love. So go figure. Which wasn't at but, a party, though. Those overtops. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but um, That's why he likes it. But yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Good Night Vienna, we got to remember, too, there was No No Song. Right. Which was yep. a huge hit for Bongo. Right. And and Harry's all over that. Yes, yes. yes he is. You know. But then there's not much until later. Well, again, produced by Richard Perry and all that. And we forgot. Easy for me, I think. Yep. Yeah, e- easy for me. Uh, Harry wrote for Ringo. 
Um, later, Harry would do his own version. It would be called Easier for Me, which is was a you Easy know, for a Me was goof. what year? Easy for Me is 74. Good night, Vienna. Oh, good night, Vienna. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. I'm sorry. A wonderful song. And coincidentally, in 1974, Harry puts out his album, whose title is based on words that appear on the Ringo album. On, the ba- on Ringo, the banner that says, mm-hmm. Do It on Monday, on the cover of the album Ringo. And Harry puts out an album in 1974 called Do It on Monday. Ringo's on drums on that, on It's a Jungle Out There, and Kojak Columbo. Mm, oh, yeah. So, which is a great Perfect song. Perfect for this Columbo! <laughs> Thank you. Just we had to use that. We should have just tucked that in there. And there's, there's a really funny bit for that, if you guys have never seen it. There's a promo film for that album. Harry had this thing where Harry could hit swoop a basket from midcourt. Swoop, swish. Swish, you know, a like basket from, from midcourt. I'm a big sports person. You know that, dude. <laughs> and and he could swish a basket from midcourt. And they did this thing where he went to RCA and said, I, I, the big thing is I need a promo film or I need a, I need a commercial, a really good video commercial. And RCA said, look, man, it's not in the budget. And Harry said, I'll make you a deal. If I could do a really cool video for under $5,000, will you triple the spending budget on promoting my album. And RCA said, yeah, sure, do a film for under $5,000. So he calls up the Civic Center and rents the Civic Center for $800. They rent him the whole stadium, the whole arena, rather. No one was there. For three hours, right? Nobody's there. They go. He goes and he gets a camera crew. They set up the camera crew. And Ringo's there. And they put Ringo as the sole person in the in the stands. Mm-hmm. And Harry's supposed to just walk in, I think, with like a briefcase and a coat in his hands, dribble the ball, and then just pff, and swish from midcourt. Well, they walk in, they turn on the lights in the stadium, they sit down. Ringo says something about, "All right, are we rolling? Let's go." Harry walks over, grabs the ball, dribbles it three times, one take, swish right in. Harry says, "We did it! We did it! We're cracking up." They weren't rolling. <laughs> so now out comes the booze, out comes the coke while they're setting up. Mm. And now it takes them almost three hours to get the final shot. But the final shot, they change it so he gets the basket in. And it's supposed to be just the one guy in the stands applauding violently. And he gets the scoop in and it goes to Ringo alone in the stands asleep. <laughs> so, so anyway. Yeah, but anyway, it's sense. just, it's very, very silly. Where can you yeah. find that film? I don't even know if it's on YouTube. Uh, I know it's around among collectors. It might be on YouTube. Okay. And at this time, crazy ass Harry, a guy who's never performed live, is thinking about doing live shows. He decides, I ought to tour for doing on Monday. I'll bring Richie. I'll bring Keltner. Oh, we're going to go out. We're going to have a blast. I got Bobby Keys. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. He can't find a venue. He's making phone calls himself. Uh, I, hi, I'm Harry Nelson. Can I come and play the... Uh, I don't know. We, we don't really have any... He was trying to do like what McCartney the, did in, in 72, tour, yeah. the college tour. Couldn't find enough places to play. Not worth it to put the band together. Crazy. Then it, again, he wasn't that big then. No. No, but no. at the same time, it's you know, you'd still get a, a small play. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not, place. but he's still... Mm. Yeah. But at this time, he's starting to you know, lose contact with John a little bit, you know, after... For the most part, for, yeah. After Pussycats yeah. goes away and yeah. he works on Walls and Bridges, and yeah. sort of, and then John goes back to Yoko and... But then he know. doesn't really do anything Beatle-wise until like 82 with... No, no. What? No, well, first of all, the one important thing is Harry had gotten very, very close to Mal Evans. So Mal dies in 1976. Harry is the one that pays for everything. He tries to get in touch with the Beatles organization to ask 
what, if anything, they're going to be able to do. Um, Harry actually pays for Mal's cremation and for the, the mm-hmm. urn and whatnot. And Mal proceeds to get lost in the mail. They can't find him for like two weeks. So Harry's got to basically call Mal Evans's family and say, I made some arrangements, but we lost your son. And then don't forget, Simple Rife. <laughs> oh, I forgot. 1978? Simple Rife, 1977. Oh, seven, right. I love seven, my suit. Oh, I love he my suit. And that's, that's Simple Harry, Harry Life and Davy jo- uh, Harry right. Nelson and Davy Jones. Jones. Yeah. So they fly and out Ringo. to Japan. Simple and Bongo. Life. Yeah, they go, they go to Japan. I forgot that Harry was on that. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's part of what the whole connection that Harry has with Davy because of, uh, of the point. The, you know, the, the Broadway show, the London Broadway show. And then Harry is actually with Ringo at the Beverly Wiltshire Hotel on September 7th of, seven, of 1978 when they get the phone call that Keith Moon has died in Harry's apartment. Mm, which that was he, so sick. Unbelievable. And Mama Cass died in the same apartment. A few years later. I mean, can you imagine? No, earlier, yeah. But can you imagine? So Townsend ends up. I thought she died in England. She, she died in England. Oh, so did Keith Moon. So did Keith Moon. Right. The, the, the Curzon Place apartment, yeah. Mm, God help us. So what they did There's was- There's no ham sandwiches around, right? No ham sandwiches. No uh-huh. no ham sandwiches were found in there. And <laughs> so, Keith Moon. And Keith Moon. It was just a car just and a, a pool. <laughs> <laughs> and enough. Wow. And a horse tranquilizer pill. Right. <laughs> couple yeah. of but, but I mean, you know, what ends up happening is Townsend ended up buying the place from him just because there were so much bad vibes. And Harry was like, I can't, I can't keep this place anymore. And Townsend took it from him. Said, "You look. Don't worry. Well, I'll take it." Townsend wrote his worst album. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he was on first. And you know, again, 1980 comes, and Harry and Richie are doing stuff for "Stop and Smell the Roses," '81. Right. And they're totally psyched for John to come out. Well, '80. In in '80, yeah. yeah, and they're so psyched for 1981 for John right. to come out in January. Right. Beginning of the year. Doing life begins at forty. Life begins at forty, which he wrote Shh. for. Ringo and Can't Fight Can't Lightning. Can't Fight Lightning, yeah. Yeah, which was going to be the, the title song. Um, Harry uh, wrote what became the title song, song, Stop and Take the Time to Smell the Roses. And, uh, well, well, he co-wrote, co-wrote it with, 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 with Ringo. Ringo but he, he wrote drumming as a, he's not a drummer, yeah. but he does drumming as my madness for Isn't that Ringo. ridiculous? Absolutely ridiculous. But devastated when John... Yeah, and actually Harry was doing a recording session for, believe it or not, for Frank Stallone, who he was very close to. They were recording a song called Take It From The Boys. That's also where he first started working with Mark Hudson. Uh, He met Mark around then. And then John's killed, and then literally Harry's life changes overnight. Yeah, again. Again, because Harry becomes obsessed with the National Coalition of Band Handguns. Right, right. Well, he raised a lot of money. He raised a lot of money. He raised a lot of awareness. He recorded a single that was sold just at Beetlefest yeah. uh, called uh, With a Bullet. Yeah, he started- If I remember um, correctly. Yeah. It was a red vinyl single. Red vinyl single backed with Judy, which was the name of a woman who had donated a lot of money to the cause, and he agreed yeah. to record a song for her. But right. He also, end of 81, he finally connects again and reaches out to Yoko. So their friendship starts again in earnest. He wrote a very serious, very personal letter, partly humorous, actually, kind of diffusing it, but saying, you know- do you want to get involved in this with me? And uh, I think it's intimated that Yoko has quiet, had quietly made some substantial donations as well to the coalition. But yeah, Harry starts right. showing up at Beetlefests. Right. Yeah, that's you know now he becomes a now like we see him. Yeah. You know where? But he like, didn't for all look years, good he at looked, all. He looked by horrible. this time. 
the excesses had gotten yeah. to him. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, he, he stepped on my foot, and I thought he was some bungling guy stepping on my foot. And well, I said, "Wow, the bungling guy stepping on my foot was Harry, some son of a gun." You know. Well, we should but, mention the third song that Harry did with Ringo on Stop and Smell the Roses was the Back Off Boogaloo song. You know, which oh, yeah, the remake. Which you did all mention the, had all the, the cross-references the of the Beatles. All the Beatles references, just like you can't do that yeah. way yeah. all those years ago. Actually, it's, yeah. if you think about it, you're right. It's it's his updated version. You can't do yeah. that. Yeah, it's Absolutely. full circle. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he ends up performing at the Beatles Fests. Yeah, but the it guy who, No, but let's face it, the guy who never performed live, ever. Yeah. And he performs uh, live at the Beatles Fests. Understood. And then he starts his relationship with Yoko. He gives three songs to the Every Man Has a Woman album. Mm -hmm. He records uh, Silver Horse, Loneliness, and Dream Love. He actually was going to do an entire album of Yoko's material. I think there are at least three or four other pretty much completed songs. I never heard them. Um, written by Yoko that he recorded. He refers to Yoko consistently as the most fascinating woman he had ever met. Has he met a lot of women? Nice, but they sorry. and they shoot. It's fascinating. Let's be honest. They shoot. I'm a, sorry. They Cut shoot a, a video for the song "Loneliness" at Harry's house, and he had just had a fight with his wife. But somehow the family still ends up in the video. <laughs> and Harry and Ringo are going back and forth in the mid '80s. Harry and Ringo are going to Bermuda all the time. Like they're constantly going to Bermuda. That's like their big thing. They're vacationing in Bermuda. Harry and his wife and Ringo and Barbara. And at one point. Harry comes up with a scheme because they go to What's leave. What's your name, Una? Una, yeah. Barbara forgot her passport, or her passport had expired. So, like, Ringo and Harry kind of, like, dazzle the passport guy, and Barbara kind of, like, just flips her passport open, and the guy just goes, yeah, whatever, and just stamps it quickly <laughs> and lets her go. Can't do that today. You don't know. You'd never be able to do that today. There'd be all kinds of alarms going off. And then there's this whole story of, you know, Harry getting bitten by, like, 8,000 bugs or something like that. But, Beetle um, bugs? Beetlebuck. Harry, the connection. There's, Harry goes down to see Ringo play with the Beach Boys in Washington, D.C. in 80. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 80, July. 3, I thought it was July 4th of 83. Yeah, uh, yeah it July was, 4th of It was 83 because 84 was um, the thing with James Watts. So it was 83. Yeah, 80, yeah, well, it says 84, but I don't know. Really? Uh, whichever. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. But, uh, yeah, anyway. It and doesn't then matter. Um, Harry goes to London in 84 and they, and they hook up with Ringo and George. And they all end up in a restaurant challenging the waiters to a Volare sing-off, <laughs> <laughs> which ends up with all of them like standing on the tables drunk. And Harry, toward the end of his life, things started getting really rough and really bad. And Harry had started a production company, a film production company called Hawkeye Productions, and that crashed and burned. And Harry had declared bankruptcy, and yep. everything was falling apart. And uh, Ringo ends up buying the family a house. Yeah, bailing them out pretty much bailing financially. Yeah. Uh, he buys them a, a little house in a town called Agoura, California. And Yoko also, Yoko sends Harry a check, and she said, here's some seed money you know, for your next project, quote unquote, which who knew when Harry's next project was going to be. And she wrote to him, I know you're an exceptionally clever man, and pretty soon you'll hit the gold mine again, be your old cocky self, and become obnoxious to all of us mortals. Get going. <laughs> so, Unfortunately, he never did. No. no he didn't. He really no, didn't. Did not. And, um, and that's... But that. I left off the fact that uh, the album that is... He recorded a beautiful, beautiful version of That Is All, I think. Yes. I think his, yes, his, his voice comes back for on the album. That's the way it is. 
which is kind of but last. the voice matched that as all so, so perfectly. What it's about and everything. Yeah, I think it's so okay. Perfect. I'm not I'm not as high on it as yeah. you. No, I always always love that. But at this point too, he's in 1993. He starts really working with Mark Hudson. He writes a song called Perfect Day in 1992, and the lyrics are, There's no Penny Lane, there's no more yesterday, but something in the way she moves keeps me hanging on from day to day. There's no more Oyster Bar, there's no more Ringo Starr. <laughs> so, really, you know, the Beatle references are still flying. Well. Um, and then, you know. And then Mark Hudson said, I'll continue that. Yeah, yeah. you know, Mark Hudson. Until. But, but it's amazing that the, <laughs> their relationship extended even till after Harry died. Which is messed up, because Harry dies in 1994, the very beginning of 1994. Of course, Ringo and George are at, at the funeral. But a month and a half after Harry dies, the Rockers Against Drunk Driving campaign starts mm. with Ringo and Harry in a car yeah. singing Drive My Car. Correct, yeah. And billboards all over the Sunset Strip, and Harry's already dead a month and a half. Oh, wow. And here's him and Ringo. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, so just absolutely crazy. I think you still. I think the video is on YouTube. Yeah, that. that yeah, the commercial. Yeah, the, yeah. And, amazing. And we should say that Ringo and Stevie Nicks. There was a Harry Nielsen tribute album called yeah. "Everybody Loves Harry," which I loved. They did a, a song called "Lay Down Your Arms." Yeah. With Stevie on backing vocals, and it's it's one of those lost Ringo Starr songs because I it's only so. on this compilation. It's never well, same any, as like you never know, you know. Yeah, yeah. you never on know. Curly Sue. Yeah, I mean. that's never been on any Ringo records. I just love the. It has this like reggae beat to it. I don't know if the original song sounded that way, but it or no, not, yeah, but, but it's just a, it's, it's just a great a, it's, song. it's a great little song, and, and not that I want to see Ringo cover it live, but it has a great feel to it. Oh, definitely. And, and we should mention that even though it didn't happen, who would have been a great All Star Band member? Um, uh, could you imagine? Yeah, you know, Harry Nilsson. Could you? I'm not imagine? so sure. Well, he didn't perform live, but no, well, he would have only. You know, that's right, I mean. though. But he he plays piano. He, he plays would, guitar he well enough to hits. get by. Had he, a couple you know, of hits. I'm not so sure it would have been the best, but it, it, it would if, have if, been. If, if he had more of a history of performing live, then maybe. where he could have done that. Coconut? That oh, that would have been perfect. The coconut would have been perfect song. Yeah. For, for especially for the whole, you know, you get Dr. John up there, we've got playing along. Yeah. And not going to do without you, though. <laughs> no, no. no not no. he'll be doing like, got to pay you do. He'll be like, <laughs> I, oh, I can't forget the sorrow. And, I can't live. And, nice. and we should can't say that, that Ringo wrote a song for Harry, Harry's song, that was yep. in Liverpool 8. Yeah. So just, uh, well, he you know, missed like, his buddy. Yeah. 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 How many people write I songs mean, about Harry Nelson? Yeah, well, no? you know, the, the, in fact, Harry's last released album, Flash Harry, the opening song, Harry's not even on. <laughs> it's it's a song Eric Idle wrote for him, right. which he plays, you know, which he records. And then just to, you know, again, the connection back to Mark Hudson, the very last thing that Harry recorded was the sessions with Mark that was supposed to lead to Harry's Got a Brown New Robe, which was going to be the, you know, the album that would have been. Uh, I know you um, said some, but I don't like it. I don't like the stuff I've heard of. Yeah, I like the two songs. I like uh, UCLA. I like yeah. Animal Farm, the ones that surface. But, you know. They're mellow, though. They're very mellow. Yeah. Yeah, well. well he, when your voice changes like that, it's going to be. But how, how yeah. funny is it that it also comes full circle? Harry, in 1964, writes a song about the Beatles, and Ringo writes a song about Harry. That's well, pretty wild. That's pr- very good, actually. You know, yeah. think about that. A lot of full circle with Harry and the Beatles. And, and one thing I do want to mention, because some people might not know many of his songs, but might know a movie. We mentioned Everybody's Talking was in, um, Midnight, was in Cow- Midnight, Midnight Cowboy. Cowboy huh? Jump Into the Fire, 
was in Goodfellas, part of the medley or the part of the montage scenes with What is Life. So it goes, what That's is That's kind of wild. Yeah. So it goes, goes What is Life, I think Manish Boy, or there's a whole bunch of songs and Jump Into the Fires in it. I think that's it. It's definitely in Goodfellas. Still keeping in the Beatles connection. That's pretty yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so mm-hmm. we, I think, yeah, we, so we talked about everything we could with Harry and the Beatles. And the Beatles, and, yeah. And mostly it's Ringo, but George played on a couple of tracks and yeah. hung out a little bit. John was there for a while. Yeah. Paul really wasn't, but that's just the way it is. Ringo has always talked very highly of, of Harry. Yeah. For a long, long yeah. time, those two were connected. So we talked about our, uh, the connections between Harry Nilsson and the Beatles. I think we covered everything we could about Harry Nilsson. Now and we know who Harry Nilsson is. And you know, look for the documentary. Who it is, is a very good yeah. documentary yeah. because great Mickey Dolenz is in it. We forgot to mention that he yeah. was part of the Hollywood Vampires right. with yeah. Mickey and Alice Cooper and, and John. And, and, and speaking and, of Harry, actually, he's in you know he's on the Good Times album, The Monkees, yep. that just got released. For those that don't know, Mike Nesmith and, and Harry did some demos mm-hmm. of Harry's songs. One was called Good Times. And when they decided to put together the album Good Times, what became Good Times, they said, hey, Mickey, why don't you sing? with Harry, because Harry sings the vocal on it. So you get a duet of Mickey and Harry, which might be the first time. I'm not sure. I don't know yeah, if they were saying Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, he's actually in the news right now because of the Good Times album from oh. the Monkees. So he's, he's still around, you know. Hmm. That just about does that's it right. for Harry's us. That's right. Harry's on an album that's in the top 20. How messed yeah. up is yep. that? Top 15. Top 15. Yeah. Uh, so that just about does it for our show we call the Fab Four Free For All. Thank you for listening. And if you have any comments, go to our Facebook page and leave some nice comments. We prefer nice comments. And joining me, of course, are my co-hosts, Mitch Axelrod. Lime in the coconut. And Tony Truguardo. Jump into the fire. And I am Rob Leonard, and thank you for listening. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Truguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate. Available on its debut album, Digital Retro, and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All.